With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to the Line of Vienna Suite podcast, episode 57. That's right, we've made it two weeks in a row this week. We are, I think we can officially say we are back for the long haul now. My name is Dan Murphy, and joining me for the first time in quite a fucking while, it must be said, it's Chris Manning. Chris, you've returned from the seeming afterlife. Hello, yes, I, I was dead, but now I have returned, um, refreshed, ready to go. And uh, and seeing how good you are at hosting, I can't remember how to do it. So Dan, doing a fine job. Yeah, you've shirked your responsibilities onto me because you're rusty and out of practice and whatnot. It's very true, very true, very true. And also, I'm sure you're miles better than me anyway. Miles better than me. Nah, not at all. We're we're all as good as each other here on the love. But it's a communal, it's a communal uh, effort. Apart from Liam, apart from Liam, of course. (laughs) Also joining me. Back for the first one of the season. Are we calling it, we'll call it a pre-season, whatever you want to say. It's Tom. Tom, how are you going? How's the Pokemon hunting treating you? Just got myself a Weedle. <laughs> so it's looking up 12. How many is that to go if I've got 12? Oh, you want to see a doctor about that, pal? <laughs> there's at least 151. Too, too much time on my hands. It would seem so, it would seem so. Football's on its way, football's on its way back in. It seems so. like it's going to be, it's, what, three weeks away, I think? But that seems far too long, far too long. I'm just sat here, like, I'm, I'm expecting like a Euros match to be on or something, and there's just nothing. Speaking of which, how was France? Uh, brilliant. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Run into much it, conflict? No, no, we ended up staying well clear in the end, but that was just down to, to luck more than anything, because... The uh, accommodation that we'd booked was near the airport rather than uh, by the port itself. Mm-hmm. So we didn't spend any time near the port, but it was uh, it was it was um, scary enough around the ground that that wasn't nice. Um, yeah, because they sent uh, all the England fans out, um, and, and yeah, and they couldn't get uh, to the the Russia end. But our coach was at that end, um, oh, and they wouldn't until they'd let all the fans out so um, yeah we, we didn't get onto the coach until the, the Russia fans were leaving but we did we did have a, a local playing quite an operatic version of God Save the Queen from his third floor balcony window which was quite funny <laughs> uh, he, he, he enjoyed the last minute equaliser more than more than the Russians did I think that was brilliant I've, um, it's, it was the best away they've ever been to despite all the uh, the bother that surrounded it. I had a couple of mates there, and they were quite in quite a few riots. So I've heard. But what can you do? And also That's join, oh, and also joining us today, our very special guest. You know, it's, it's always good to get him on every now and again to get some expert insight into Bolton Wonders. It's Mr. Mark Isles. Mark, how are things? 
Not bad. Not bad. Sorry for crying off early in the week, boys. Uh, I was under the weather, to say the least. We did not agree with you. It wasn't that. It was the uh, the medication I took coming back uh, and didn't agree with me at all. Believe me, I was... Uh, I don't know about collecting Pokemon on your phone. I was seeing Pokemon flying past my eyes. Believe me, it was... Uh, <laughs> Well, absolutely, yeah. I think I managed to catch about 160 of the bastards. It's incredible. <laughs> oh, mate, I, I wasn't well on that flight either, man, because I was very hungover. I was having it was really. You know, remember, you know, the pen he was keeping us before we got onto the plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really hot in there, so I was having bad alcohol sweats. I was feeling grim as anything. Was that you? Was it? <laughs> you could probably smell me. Yeah. And I smashed. I bought. <laughs> there's this great Danish spirit called Fisk. We had it on one on one of our nights out there, and it's like a licorice vodka, and it's actually really nice. And I found a bottle in Duty Free, so I bought one, and ten, ten minutes later I dropped my bag and smashed it, and I was fucking fuming, and my bag smelt like cough medicine. It wasn't <laughs> a fun, it was not a fun time. But, speaking of pre-season, um, obviously I've been to Denmark, I went to Denmark to see the Bolton play, and win away, only took a thousand mile, well a two thousand mile round trip, to finally see him do it. And Mark was over for like the whole like what from Thursday to Sunday, I think Wednesday to Sunday. Wednesday, Wednesday to Sunday, yeah, yeah. And you went to see the lads train and whatnot, and then was obviously at the game as well. So, what was your take on the whole preseason tour training, whatever it was thing? I, th- I think where well, you can see there's a bit more discipline about the lads, a bit more shape, a bit more organisation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously you can see what kind of shape he wants to play. He wants to be play a lot wider and such and you yeah, can see that in training that you know he was he was he was making sure that the you know the width was was much more than it has been and it's been such a, a long time since you've seen a Bolton team with any great width about it it, it actually looked quite strange mm. um from the sidelines but uh yeah he, he can't read too much into one game but I was I was fairly impressed I thought you know it all went along quite quite nicely I don't no no complaints with the game particularly and you know there were a couple of decent performances in there so so far so good yeah it's a good point I did think I, it was more, it was like a 442 with one of the strikers peeling off quite a bit so like a 4411 mm-hmm. type system he was going for obviously it was Clough in the first half and I think Wilkinson and Whoever else, whoever else came on to Clayton, maybe. Well, Clayton swapped the name. That's right. Sec- yeah. Late second half, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's clearly the system he's trying to go for, and he's trying to tra- play. Hang on. Obviously, it's about getting people fitness, but he's trying as many people in different positions as he could. But yeah, you could clearly tell we were playing with a lot of weight. For him, which, and I, it was clear that the tactic was to try and hit the wingers and go in like mm. our own side. So Woolery had a couple of times when he used his pace to get behind, and then obviously. The winner came from a great Taylor cross, probably the best cross I've seen from a Bolton player in quite some time, actually. Petrov-esque, wasn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, and it was a good header as well, to be fair. I think the keeper didn't exactly shine himself in glory, but... <laughs> I don't know, I, I, just, I, was, I was too oh, memorised with, uh, with the fact that Bolton were winning away. I think at that point, my pen hit the floor and I, uh, I started sobbing in tears. It's been, <laughs> it's been a long, long, long time since I've managed to write about an away game. Oh, I win, in April last year, it was the last one. If I'm but correct, they beat Port Vale in pre-season last year. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, I can't remember much about the game. I have to say, but some somebody told me on Twitter that uh, that I was uh, I was wrong when it was. You know, I'd mentioned it was Easter Monday, so <laughs> enough. Jobs was. Like, like telling me I'm wrong on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was a good atmosphere around the stage when everything. You know, it was the odd. You know, dampener, trying to put dampener on the mood, shall we say. 
But um, <laughs> quite literally, when he pissed his pants. But um, it was quite good. It was the like, stadium was really cool. I thought, like, I say stadium, the ground with one stand, but then like a, fi- a fire pit selling hot dogs and beer, quite cheap. And that uh, big Per Fransen and Claus Janssen. Claus, is it Claus <laughs> Janssen? I think. They were doing Klaus Janssen, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was just quite a lovely thing. Like, oh, there's a story of, um, there's a Swedish Bolton fan, there's a 15-year-old Swedish Bolton fan who would have thought, so, and this guy was telling us that he, five years ago, he wanted to pick, just, like, support an English team, and then just randomly picked Bolton, so he'd been over, like, once a year, ever since, and he made the trip down, and if you saw the Swedish flag on the far side of the... Yes. Yeah. Yes. Apparently some Danish people came up to him and went, you're taking that down or whatever, and yeah. the Bolton fans are like, no, 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 they're not, lad. <laughs> Fucking start swinging, and apparently the uh, Helsingor Ultras nearly started on us. But everyone else yeah. was very, very lovely. I thought the, Hels- the Danish fans I, and everyone I was heard that, but like Sweden is right there. You could you could mm. virtually swim to Sweden. I just didn't see if, of all the places in Denmark to kick off there. I know, yeah. The, the place that's right next door to Sweden, like within a stone's throw, doesn't seem the right place to me, but. Yeah. It was a nice. It was it was a nice place. But and I tell you one thing about that trip, though. Uh, I, you know, you, you meet these sort of foreign fans of, of Bolton. Sometimes you kind of look past. You know, you think, "Oh God, they must just be sort of bandwagon jumpers or whatever." But the lads that I met over there, Christ, they knew the stuff. Mm. It was amazing. The, the lads that had turned up at training, some Norwegian fans and Swedish fans, really, really knew the stuff. And and it's kind of uh, changed my opinion a little bit. The, the kind of the foreign based well, fans. Cause, if you uh, stick for it this point <laughs> you know oh, I, yeah. any sort of bandwagon but yeah, exactly oh, yeah. every like yeah there was to the, the infamous pub afterwards there was um, there was a fair few um, like Swedish fans <laughs> it was one point where it was all <laughs> everyone started singing um, Swedish bastards or something and there was like one Sweden Fulton fan just like crying <laughs> it was all very good I, I, I want to ask Matt what happened with the coach and everything because that was one weird situation, I must say. Well, it, what happened was they were trying to get a staff meeting together. Right. The idea had been that they were going to get some food, mm-hmm. sit down and have a debrief. Okay. And for whoever organised the tour had organised them to sit down in this pub. And it's literally a pub that you could smoke inside of. Inside of it was proper gringy, proper small pub. Like nothing, well, what, whatever. I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I, I avoided it like the plague. Oh, I was really um, good, to be fair. But, but that's that's my own choice. I, 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 it's not worth the hassle for me. Yeah, but the, the lads, the lads were supposed to be sitting down, having something to eat, and getting this sort of debrief. So, of course, they t- <laughs> turns up, and all the, the plans are there, all you know, pissed up, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it was so funny. And I- it's like, oh Christ, what are we going to do? So I, I gathered the manager sort of got off and just said, I, 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 yeah, yeah, guys, and the, you guys cool. had the food, and and they they had to get back and and get it done properly. There was all sorts of things. That you, you honestly, the the trip was so regimented. Mm. It wasn't a time at that point in time from sit down and start, you know. Mingling, it, it sounds yeah, really it rough. Doesn't it? it sounds like it sounds like they slighted people, but I, I, I don't. It really didn't feel like that at all when they were t- telling me afterwards. It was like we needed to get this okay. meeting done. Really apologise, type of thing. Sense. But well, basically, what it was, we were literally just so there was probably thirty, I'd say thirty Bolton fans, and then a few, you know, um, like Helsingor fans. And so I'd probably say there's about fifty people in this pub altogether. I sat outside, having you know, having a nice time. Everyone singing songs and whatnot. All good natured and friendly and stuff it was like Bolton chants intersected with like FC Helsingar chants it was all right, yeah. very nice and then there were rumours before the match 
that the, the, the first team were coming to this pub afterwards, and everyone was like, "Not, not, not, not why." I was talking to some Danish people whilst after the game. It was like, "Oh, they've booked to eat here. They've, we've ordered food and everything." It's like, "Oh, so they must be." And then the coach did rock it up, and everyone was like singing songs at the coach, like supporting songs, <laughs> happy songs. Mm-hmm. Parkinson and uh, probably the coaching teams who you know the names of. I've not got them quite nailed yet. All got off. Yeah. Said hello, shook some hands, went inside, and a minute later they were off again. And then yeah, I said we got the food, and it was very nice. To be fair, I was very happy with it. But it was all a weird situation. It was very satisfying though, because as the coach pulled out, everyone just started singing "Time to Go" at it. <laughs> it was very <laughs> funny. What can you do? I, I you they ended up in TGI them. Fridays as well, by the way. Did they? Well, I imagine <laughs> the pasta was a lot better than TGI Fridays, and that's all I'll say. I can only imagine how much a TGA Fridays must have charged in Sweden, by the way. It's bad enough for oh, mate. over here, but Christ, oh, that's terrible there. Helsingor, it's mad though, because like, Copenhagen, like, ludicrous, but when you're in Helsingor, half an hour away, it's just, like, three quid a pint. Like, There's nothing to it, yeah. In fact, in that yeah. book, bottles of beer were about one fifty a pint, which could probably, you know, explain why we were also merry. But, um, <laughs> you, said, you said there was, like, some good performers in the friendly. Um, who did you think particularly stood out? Uh, well, I, th- I thought um, Clayton was good. Uh, I thought, you know, second half coming off the left, and then when he when he moved centrally, he looked good. I thought Trotter had a decent game. Um, he was he was all right, and um, and Proctor as well looked good. His movement was good. Ran ran channels well. Obviously, took his goal really well. Um, I thought Young Finney, considering he did ninety minutes off, you know. Back of Rob Rob Holding's injury, um, I think thought he did quite well. Uh, there's no outstanding performances, was there? It was all fairly one paced, but it was. Um, I think the one was... who particularly stood out to me was uh, Beavers. I thought he like immediately you can just tell yeah. he's like strong Marshall's defence as well. Yeah, he particularly yeah. stood out to me. Apart from that, yeah, I think there was there was every, no one particularly stood out for good or bad. So it was all fairly. It's what you want, really. Isn't it? You don't want you don't want any sh- proper shitters. In the first start of the season, <laughs> but, there was none of them. None of Thankfully, um, on to new signings, Chris. Since you've not been onto the podcast for a while, Taylor Beavers Proctor, and as of today, Mark Coward, the keeper from Sheffield United. What do you What do you think about the new signings? How do you feel about how the transfers have been made thus far? It's just nice to have some new players to cheer on for once, isn't it? It's been it feels like a long time since we've signed anybody of any nature. Never mind. Uh, proven pedigree um, but I think from the four that we've taken in it's undoubted that Parkinson knows the league and I'm sure that's one of the main reasons why he was brought in in the first place he can see he can see the bargains and he can see where his squad needs improving and you know no no transfer fees expended as yet means that hopefully there'll be the players leaving won't be anything too substantial um, but I think it's interesting I know um, a couple of Blackburn fans thought Taylor didn't really get much of a chance there um, Mark this has been a stalwart of many a football manager, defensive man in the lower leagues over the last few years, and, and we all know that that's true to real life. Um, I worked with a couple of Preston fans who didn't have very many kind words to say about Jamie Proctor. They thought he was a bit hit and miss, and, and looking at him previously, I, I made a comment a couple of weeks ago when he, when he signed that for someone that's been a pro for six or seven years now, I think he's only scored about 40 goals now. I, I don't know the full context as to why that is. He may... He may have been a bit stop-start with injuries. He may not have been played, you know, specifically as a striker. But I do remember him breaking on the scene as a quite a highly rated lad at Preston before he got his move to Swansea. So that's an interesting one. Um, 
<clears throat> I know he got described as a bit of a run th- run through a brick wall type centre forward, which I think we can all agree is probably the opposite of what someone like Medine is, who's a bit more of a penalty area striker, not really a great deal else. Um, Howard, I don't really know much about. Obviously, he's, he started off at Arsenal, so he's got some sort of pedigree, and he's, he's played a lot of games for Sheffield United. So again, solid signings for this division, and I think that's what we need. We had Lennon come in previously and drafting loanies and a few freebies that maybe sounded good on paper, but perhaps didn't have the, the backing and the experience to, to really be of use to us. And I think that these these four look like they could hit the ground running. Um, whether Howard is going to be a replacement for Amos, I, I suspect so. Uh, but I think the other three can look to be to be first choice pretty much from day one. Mm-hmm. And what about yourself, Tom? What do you think? I can only really echo what Chris has said. It's It's nice to have players coming in and permanent signings as well. You know, we've had a couple of I mean, the, 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 more, the more recent players coming in have been maybe emergency loans and players that have, have, have been and gone, but it's nice to have some uh, some permanent signings for a change. And as Chris has said, it, they all seem to be, you know, League One players. I think one of the biggest criticisms you could have made of Bolton in the Championship when they went down was that we didn't know the division. We had some players who'd maybe played in the Premier League before who weren't necessarily equipped for the Championship. So... Yeah, it's good, and also it's a it's a tip of the cap to the to the people upstairs who who appear to start to have been coming good with putting some money on the table for these players as well. So yeah, it's nice nice to have players to to look up and look at the history where they've been, and and it makes that first day of the season at home to Sheffield United makes it a bit more exciting because you're looking out for you know who's who's making the debut, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I gave my opinions on them all last week. Well, apart from Howard, I think I, yeah, can, I don't know any. I've no idea who he is. Never heard of him before. This signing, but he seems, from what I've read in the meantime, that he's a solid, canny operator. Good, good backup, and can probably step in if needed. But Mark, what's been? You know, what are your thoughts on the four new additions uh, Parkinson's made thus far? Um, I mean, they are all horses for courses, aren't they? I think Beavers is, and, and Beavers and Taylor perhaps, you know, slightly above. They've got a bit of a championship pedigree about them as well. Um, and, and crucially, I think all of them have been to the playoffs and all of them have, have, have had a modicum of success uh, in, in this division, which is important. Also, uh, yeah, I think all, all four of them, barring Proctor, obviously, were on the shortlist at Bradford. When when Parky was there, I think he, that's you know players he wanted to bring there. So they're not sort of players he's turned up a bolt and looked around and, and thought right we'll have those because that's what we need. They're players that he's done his scouting on and he knows you know he, that, that they're the players that suit his system. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a bit of a challenge really that for the for the rest of the Bolton players now because these are these are lads that he knows will fit the way he wants to play and it's it's up to them to kind of raise their game to to displace certainly the three if not the four with Howard as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense how he's. It's it's a really. I don't know how Lennon. If Lennon had targets that he couldn't get, you know, he he had to make do with my second, third choices, much like Coyle did, and probably Friedman as well. But it seems with Parkinson that he has like <clears throat> he's like he's um pinpointed the type of player he wants, the type of player he needs for his style of play and how he wants to run things, and he's just gone out and got him. And you know, I think I was, I also think it's quite good how with like Proctor. And and Beaver, <clears throat> sorry, and Beavers and Taylor. There was competition for him as well. Like you know, I think Bradford and Millwall wanted to keep Beavers. There's been competition for these players, so they're obviously sought after. And I I think that's a good point about them 
been in the playoffs because it shows they have a, a bit of a winning mentality and you know know the division well and know how to kind of succeed in it. But um, Mark, what is like our transfer policy at the minute? Is it one in one out because we've signed four and or is did the outs? Are we already like ahead on the outs because of the players that were were released um, and that sort of stuff? And where else do you think we need to strengthen? Um. Well, I mean, there's no there's no definitive answer on where we are, you know, with with the supposed embargo because, quite frankly, you know, the question has been asked, and it's uh, it's kind of a me to know and you to find out type of situation. Um, but how it was to me by a person who shall remain nameless is we can sign players as long as we don't take the piss. Um, so <laughs> that's that is the situation. <laughs> It, well, yeah. I mean, I think there's there's a balance um, in terms of senior players and junior uh, and and sort of under twenty fours. I think they've got to keep. Obviously, the football league keeping a very very close eye on on the on the finances, but the exact rules and you know this isn't through a, a lack of asking. This is just the club choosing to keep this to themselves at the moment. Is and 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 also, I think if 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 they were to say out there, well, listen, you know, we've got we've got. X amount left in our budget, and then the football league tells us we've got to get rid of. It's not going to do them any good in the transfer market, is it? Let's face it; clubs yeah. are just going to hold out, or you know, players are going to walk away. So I think it's it's possibly quite savvy for them to keep those cards close to their chest at the minute. Um, but uh, you know, they, they've got to sign players. I know for a fact that Phil Parkinson's got um, two or three that he's looking at. Uh, why? Wide areas up front, um, full backs as well. He, he, he wants to strengthen, but one thing that that I think he he does have at the moment is is wondering whether he's going to get some money for Rob Holding. If he gets money for Rob Holding, all of a sudden he's shopping in a different supermarket, and he might just be able to you know spend a bit more on a striker or you know bring different players in. So he's he's just sort of biding his time a little bit in certain positions because he just might be able to get that bit of extra quality. Well, you brought up the holding thing. Obviously, you reported today that a bid was rejected from Bournemouth, who obviously haven't met Bolton's value. It's nice to see that Bolton can actually reject a deal. That's always nice to see, since considering we were trying to give away Mark Davis and the like for free in January. So, what do you think the likelihood of him leaving slash staying is, and would it be better for the club if he leaves, or what? What? What do you what do you foresee with holding? I think he'll go. In fact, I'm pretty pretty confident he'll go. Uh, just to correct that story, though, we we went with the Bournemouth line this morning. Bournemouth are interested. They didn't make the bid, so we had oh. to go into reverse and change that. So it's a different club that has made the bid. So there's three um, clubs that are after him that we know. Of. Well, there's more than that. There's Newcastle and Sunderland as well that have also inquired about him. There's all this kind of transfer jargon, isn't it? Inquiries or bids and such like. Basically, there's been phone calls from Bournemouth who watched him all last season. Uh, Newcastle uh, and Sunderland Arsenal have made a bid that got rejected and now this other Premier League club have made a bid that got rejected according to according, according again a lad, a lad I know um, he was saying telling me Crystal Palace apparently were uh, were in there oh, Palace will probably sign him and then fucking put him on bench for next year and <laughs> mm, free chungi okay. free chungi he <laughs> um, uh, deserves a move. He deserves a move. You know, he's he's, he's come through. He's, I think he's, he'd be comfortable at you know, sort of within that sort of environment. He's not going to play Premier League football, but I think you know to to join that and to to make that step up would be a good move. Nobody nobody would object to that as long as 
Bolton dig in and, and get a, a move that get a, a deal rather that gives them a bit of money to play with in the short term, but more importantly, I think gets them some money down the line as well. So yeah. that's that's fine by me. What do you think the chances are of him getting loaned back to us for the coming season? Um, I know I know the question definitely got asked of Arsenal. Um, whether it has done in this new sort of uh, bid, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I would suggest that if if it's a club like Arsenal that are not clearly not going to put him straight mm-hmm. in, there's more of a chance than, uh, say, for example, a Crystal Palace, as, as Chris said there. But, you know, I think this, this is sort of a school of opinion that is it really going to be any good for him coming back into League One? He could probably go and get a move in the Championship. I know Reading were after him in, in January. Yeah, but do, you, fuck, do you do that fuck, deal? Fuck Does he play else. It? That's we want him. Well, no, that's a fair point. And under a manager who's defensively focused or, you know, will play defensively like Parkinson in a team that we hope will be challenging at the upper end of League One, what it doing, even though the quality of football might not be good, he'll be in a system that will hopefully, you know, teach him how to defend even better. And he may be in a winning team, which, you know, always is always good experience instead of a losing team. So, I don't know, I could see it. And obviously, he's in a comfortable environment. As you pointed out in the article, he's only played 30 games. He's only playing playing for one season. If we all recall, he went on loan the season before to Bury and made one appearance. So, he's still only a young whippersnapper. He could go somewhere and fail. I hope that never happens, of course. But, you know, some, is it the right time for him to make the jump? I don't know. What do you reckon to it all, Chris? Um, you just stole my thunder. I was just going to say, for, for someone who hadn't... Made a single appearance for the club best part of 12 months ago. His, his rise has been incredible. And it also um, puts me back to thinking about people who reckon we should be getting six, seven, eight million pounds for him. I just I just think in the real world that's never, never ever going to happen. Even more so now we're in League One with the vultures circling mm-hmm. prior to our um, rescue from Holdsworth and Anderson. I just think if we can if we can get a reasonable fee for him, accept it that you know he's a one-off. We've not you know he won't be getting paid a fortune. Um, we won't have really invested. Uh, millions of pounds in in order to recoup that like we did someone like Kale where your minimum fee has to be what you spent out in the first place I just think we just we, we get the best deal we can if we get a loan back then all well and good um, I really don't think that's likely to happen um, and we just reinvest we reinvest because if you sell holding for 2 million quid in the championship that might buy you one player but if you sell hold, uh, holding for 2 million quid in league freebies and so on that might get you 4 or 5 players and I just think that's going to make a huge difference to us. Yeah, I can't say, but I'm... so I'd be sad. I'd be sad. Be sad to see him go. You know, that, that, as everybody would, he's made a brilliant, made a load of progress, and in an ideal world, he'd, he'd stay with us for a long time, be captain, and, and help us back up the leagues. But that's not the position we're in, and I think a bit of a reality check will see him make a move to someone like Palace or you know Stoke, that that kind of level. Like, even someone well, like would be a good customer, I don't know, like. Yeah, Bournemouth. I mean, they're, they're ambitious. He, he would probably get more of a chance there. I know they, uh, they're that Tyrone. What's his name? He played for Ipswich. He's just come back from a bad knee injury. Yeah, that's the chap. Um, and so he's obviously going to be of a higher priority in their defence. But then again, they let that distance go this summer. So there's a spot for somebody in there. And I wouldn't. I'd back him to to make an impact there most definitely. Mm-hmm. It's my only problem is that I'm such a I'm so like naive and oh, I I care more about. Like the emotional connections. You're romantic, Dan. You're you're yes. a roman- You're a romantic. There's nothing wrong with being a romantic. Yeah. And it's 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 gonna rip me up year on year until I'm just an awful cynical pragmatist, and it'll be grim. But what's when you see your hero, when you see your heroes depart, oh, time after time, you soon get you soon get uh, 
get a bit cold to that in future. I'm positive you will anyway. And Elko was the first. I was only we, and I was crying when I first finally told. Sasa, Sasa Kerchich, mate. Sasa, I'm still trying to get over. I'm still trying to get over how much he's ballooned. Jesus Christ, he made quite the cameo in that Legends game, which we haven't actually talked about on the podcast. But I think I feel like it's best to leave that for the dead. Um, Tom, what's your take on holding? I thought you were going to go. Speaking of speaking of cynical pragmatists, Tom, <laughs> uh, holding right. Uh, um, I, I I can't really feel very romantic about it. I mean, the, the one thing I, you can really say in support of holding, if if it needed to be said, was he's played thirty games for us in a very short period of time, and I can only really think of two games where he had a, a shocker, and I think that was probably Middlesbrough away, where he played in an unfamiliar formation, thanks to the the glorious leader of the time. Um, and then second, I thought I thought at Leeds away he really struggled as well, and I just thought he was just he just had one of those games. Um, beyond that, he's been very very good, and if he then he's he's, he's far too good for us in League One. Um, I think he'd be rare. I think it it I don't think it 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 um, put holding off. I think he wouldn't mind spending another season here. Um, Bournemouth would be a good fit I think because I think it, looking at their back four last season there's a lot of players that have come up from League One and the Championship with them Cook Elphick Smith remembering Holding could do a shift at right back as well he, he could well find himself getting a bit of time Maybe, mm-hmm. I, I certainly don't think he'll be the first choice but he could find himself during the during the course of the season that he'll Bournemouth be getting himself actually sold Elphick to Villa this summer as well so and they got it's time released so and I mean, if you look at the players, they're buying Lewis Cook from Leeds, Jordan I at Liverpool. They, they seem to be buying young players as well. So I think that bodes well for him. Um, I think the good news for us, from a club perspective, is that it seems to be that a bidding war has uh, has emerged. You know, instead of Wenger trying to get him for pennies, um, asking what his release clause, then adding a pound onto it, um, we've now got two, three, four clubs interested. So we we might get a, you know a fair bit in terms of. Money that we might not if it, if it had just been Arsenal. Um, yeah, yeah, he's, he's our best defender, isn't he? So we'll mm-hmm. definitely miss him. But it, it'd be unfair to, for him to be oh, playing one football next season. He's, he's far, far too good for yeah, that. I wouldn't begrudge him. It it's just terrifies me that means Devitt may well be the never centre back alongside Beavers, and we'll never get the chance to sing holding out for a hero on this chan on the side on the stands. But what can you do here? Eh? Ambitious than um, that anyway, mate. <laughs> I know, especially. I'm sure you'll sing it to yourself every night before bed, anyway, Dan. So don't worry about that. There's always that. There's always that. Mm-hmm. You, when you was talking about the transfer stuff earlier, Mark, you was on about like there might be a quarter for like under 24 players or something. Bolton mm. have had what eight, seven, eight trialists in the club in the past two weeks. Obviously, the Afghanistan lad, um, Joseph Sherdol, and there's a Ribeiro, a Car. And loads of others that names that were quite exquisite. Um, do you reckon that any of them have a chance of getting a deal or whatnot? Um, uh, well, you might have to ask me after after the weekend. I think if any of them pop up on uh, Saturday at Mansfield, you know that that Park is thinking quite seriously about them. Okay. Um, the thing is, at this time of year, I think they were lacking in numbers on the training ground so he's kind of given the sanction to let's have a look at as many players as we can do so you know quite a few have come in to work with the development squad not necessarily with the first team 
Um, and that's been the case with all of them, in fact, so far. Uh, they, they haven't been first teamers, but I know they, you know, a few of them played against Stafford the other night. Um, he was down there to watch that one. If one or two of them have been pressed, I certainly haven't heard of any that have been promoted yet. But if that's the case before the weekend and maybe get a go there, then we can start talking seriously about them. But at the minute, you know, it's, it's exciting. I, I, you know, it's, it's nice writing about different players and, and you know taking a look and 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 hoping you can pick up a, a hidden gem. But the, the fact of the matter is, it, it rarely happens. Yeah, you, they've um, got to be pretty special. Have the first three from the Coles game been let go of? Um, well, I've not heard anything about uh, Nut, Jarvis Nut, but the other yeah. two are still there. At the last time I, I spoke to the manager um, yesterday, okay. so the, the Sandu and uh, the Mans. that's the one, the Belgian lad, mm-hmm. uh, Chanazai's best mate. Yeah, we have um, we had a lad at the game yesterday, and I think it was uh, Car was all right. Ribeiro was solid, if unspectacular. Schurdel looks like a fast winger and I think the other winger was a bit of a not very good at all so if I think he said Carr and Schurdel would be the ones he thinks are most likely to stick around but as mm-hmm. I said we can only wait and see Chris you've not been on as we've said for a while Parkinson he's you know we've had the whole managerial fucking merry-go-round uh, you know what what not since the last podcast and when Parkinson was hired what were your thoughts and what, how, what do you think how do you, you know, have they changed thus far with the work he's been doing um, well I'm glad Mark's on because I put 10 quid on Ads Adkins on his say so so I, you know we can we can discuss that afterwards Mark um, yeah. I was no he came took me, took me by surprise it's, it was coincidence I was working in Bradford that day actually and um, I, I took the opportunity that afternoon to not do any work and talk devastated to have lost him obviously since then, they've had a bit of a U-turn, claiming they never loved him after all anyway, and they're going to have a better-looking girl next week. Um, but I've, I've been impressed, and I, and I think he's the sort of pragmatic man with experience of this league and success in this league that we maybe should have looked to do when we, we first ever got relegated from the, the champ, uh, from the Premier League back when, when Coyle was in charge. Um, I'm, well, you know, what, what can I say? Hashtag Neil Warnock. You know, if we'd have gone for somebody with a bit of that knowledge at the time, and I'd, dare I say it, taking a more of a, of a Wigan athletic approach to it, when they got relegated this year, they, they got in somebody who'd, who'd worked in the club for a while, and they took the, the time to cherry-pick the best of the league that they found themselves in because they had yeah. that extra bit of muscle. Instead of us persevering with players that, that got us relegated, like... Um, Eagles and Knight and, and Ngorg and people like that, then maybe we'd be in a different situation. Now, this time round, we've obviously still kept a load of players who were part of the failures from last year, and everyone's going to get a clean slate from the fans, I think. Even the likes of DeVete, you know, we'll, we'll see how they get on. Oh, um, and I, I think Parkinson's the man to, to give us a positive outlook for the season ahead. It's going to be hard, but we know that he's got the mileage in this league. We know he's got the knowledge. We've seen that from the signings he's made already. And yeah, he might not be a flashy name who's played in the Champions League and beaten Barcelona once, but he's got a, a, an unfancied team on, on limited funds uh, with Bradford to appear to sustain success um, in this division, and that is what we need to be looking at in the short term. No one's going to say we'll win the league by 25 points. You know, it'd be nice, but I think we stand a better chance of making a real fist of it with somebody with that kind of background than taking a punt on a fancy name. So I, I'm all for it. I think he's... Okay. Uh, I think he's going to prove good, for, uh, decent for us in the long term, um, and I'm excited to see what the season brings. Mm-hmm. Tom, same to you. What have your thoughts been on Parkinson and the work he's done thus far? 
Yeah, I think we're going to win the league by 25 points. Fucking <laughs> okay, no. hell. Just going to put um, a bet on, hang on. No, but you, can, you can probably count my, and, and this is in inverted commas, contacts in football on one hand, but one of them's in the Bradford City dressing room and he's devastated with Parkinson going. And he said as much to me that he feels like he was on the scrap heap when he went there and he feels like he'd still be there if it wasn't for Parkinson. So... He's, it came out of the blue. Um, the names we were being linked with, as, as time went on, I was becoming more and more um, resigned to the names. Well, I've given up. I'd like they're yeah. all just different shades of poison. We're fucked. Whoever gets it, but Parkinson. I was I was looking at it quite positive. Different. I was trying to find the positive aspects of each person linked with the job, and then Parkinson came out of left field out of nowhere, and uh, and and. I think that's better. It's a better name or a better fit than than every other name that was linked with the job. So I was really pleased with Parkinson, and and I, and I like his mannerism. I like his style. It's very, very calm. There's no sound bites. There's no uh, overegging the pudding, if you know what I mean. When he's when he's talking to the press, he's very to the point. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm excited for for what he can do. I think it'll be. Uh, Slow process. It's certainly not going to be, as Chris said, something that's just going to we're going to turn up first game of the season at Sheffield United and win three 0 and do the same every week. I everyone remembers Wigan were near the bottom of the table till about November, October, November. Yeah, I had my I had my bunting up for another relegation party, but look where that got me. Mm-hmm. Um, I should have kept it up for us for me, but there you go. Um, I, I, I'm I'm quietly confident this season. I think it'll take it'll take a bit of time, and it depends on the ins and outs, and that, that's very much up in the air, depending on transfer fees and who comes and who goes. Um, but I'm I'm quietly confident going into the season, and and that's slightly worrying for me. So I'm I think I'll check my blood pressure. <laughs> Same question to you, Mark. What do you what do you reckon of Parkinson and the job he's done so far? I, I thought Tom. Uh, spot on there as far as you know, kind of his approach. No, no sound bias. Sometimes when you're you're in this job, you you kind of ask a question and and you rely on them to kind of write the story for you. As you know, bang. Certainly, Len, Lenny was great at that. If you asked him a, a question, he, he he knew what you wanted and he kind of give you the the ammunition to write a story. You never really had to think too hard about it. Um, a bit a bit like Owen Coyle uh, or or Sam Allardyce. Before that, you know, they, they had their own agenda and used to sort of go off at, at 20 to the dozen and go off on their own tangents. But Phil's very straightforward. You kind of ask him a question and it's like today when he signed his goalkeeper, I said, you know, do you want, do you want to say anything about it? And he went, well, yeah, I'm really pleased to get him in. And that was it. <laughs> right, right, OK, fair enough, then see you later. Um, you know, it just, it, and that's not, it's not being boring or anything like that. He's just... Just straightforward. What you get is what you see is what you get, and um, you know he was he was really welcoming on tour. I have to say, uh, great backroom as well. Uh, Steve Parkins, uh, a, a really really funny bloke. Uh, Live Wire, the Lee Butler, the goalkeeping coach, is is very similar as well. Quite outgoing, and uh, and Allenby as well. Uh, Nick Allenby, uh, who, who's like the sports science guy. He's, he's very involved as well. So they're a little team. Um, and he's he's very conscious of that. I think Phil. He's uh, you know he, he doesn't like talking about I I want to do this. I want to do that. It's very much a we type of situation, and and he really fancies fostering that kind of team spirit. So um, he's 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 treading carefully. He's not making any great big promises or sweeping statements. And uh, I just like that stability at the minute. Having been through the twelve months, eighteen months 
eight years in this job where you've kind of not known whether you're on your ass or your elbow. Now I, I kind of I quite like the idea of knowing what I'm getting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine that's quite just a relief in it, just to know what you know. You're standing on firm ground instead of having it, the quicksand move from under you every two minutes. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, that there's been times where you, you genuinely don't know what's going on and you, you, you're kind of panicking a little bit. But, uh, you know, if you ask them a question, it gives you a, a straight answer and, and you can't really ask any more uh, of that. It's sort of my job. But going actually a mental note to myself with hashtag Neil Warnock before, I know for a fact that if, if the takeover had have happened in, Den- uh, sorry, in, in uh, December, rather, uh, that's the, the, the lad they were going to. So they they were looking at uh, looking around for options. Obviously, Phil Parkinson kind of became available, um, or uh, they thought he would become available. I think when the new ownership came in at Bradford, um, and then I know I know they sort of touted him out, sounded him out as such through his representatives. Um, but they definitely interviewed you know Adkins and and, and Cottrell and and uh, spoke to a couple of others, Chris Wilder being one of them. Um, it was it was all a bit cloak and dagger, um, but the, the you know the messages we were getting were that Adkins and, and Cottrell were there all the way through Powell as well by the way uh, until he went to the Derby job, and uh, on the Monday um, we heard that, that Parkinson had actually gotten into that they had officially spoken to him. On the Tuesday, uh, Ken Anderson came on and, and did his interview with us saying that you know we didn't want to pay any compensation for anybody. So assume we you know, we assumed off the back of that, but it wasn't, uh, it was definitely wasn't going to be Parkinson, but uh, then as, as things transpired about a week later, it was. So um, it was a bit of a shock to us as well uh, in, in the end, even though we'd kind of initially put him in the frame before anybody else. Uh, but, you know, such is life. Yeah, Mark, do you think that, Mark, do you think that the, the move from Anderson to come out and say that we weren't going to pay compensation, do you think that was, that was shrewd on his part? Or do you think that, there was a development later on in the week that meant that he became available. Well, I mean, there's not, nothing that's become kind of immediately. That was that was the moment that he became available. Um, and certainly talking to the manager, there was there was a quite a long-standing interest. But I think it was shrewd. I think I think he's played the game. I wouldn't like to play him at poker, Ken. Put it that way, because he, he he tends to uh, be good at bluffing. Um, and, and as I mentioned before, the the whole uh, football league meeting and such, he's kept his cards very close to his chest on that as well. So, you know, look, if 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 he's getting what he wants, i.e., you know, signings and managers, then I suppose that's the game we're in, um, and uh, we're just gonna have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. What have you made of the new owners at so far? How long have they been in now? Since April, I believe. So what? Three months yep. of that, three yep. four months. What have you made of them so far? What, what do you think of the job they've done? I feel like I was very, and I think a lot of us were quite rightly so, very cautious at first. But I think now they've, I think they've earned some trust. I'd say from how they've um, operated, both business like in the business side of things and with how they've done in the club side of things as well. Yeah, I think I think you're right. It was a it was a bit of natural scepticism after what we've been through. Um, with Eddie Davis and and with Phil Gartside, etc., etc. But um, I think you know they they inherited a right royal mess. No two ways about it. Um, you know the board had just disintegrated. You know the whole place had just disintegrated. There was you know 
normal stuff that you just think it, for a business is just run of the mill, you know, records, holidays, everything just wasn't there. And, you know, they've had to start completely from scratch. Um, and all, all that's not very easy to explain in an article or, or in a kind of a, a quote or a, a statement. So they've had to take a lot of flack whilst they were trying to sort stuff out. Now, obviously, you know, there's still clearly there are still things they've got to answer and still, you know, financial issues and, you know, the situation isn't, it, you know, they're not a, a, a knight in shining armour that's coming and just going to throw millions of pounds at it. it we're, we're not in the same situation anymore. So there are questions that still need to be answered and but the, the good thing from my point of view is they are answering them and they're talking to us and you know I, I know I can pick the phone up to Ken or to Dean Holdsworth and say listen this is the situation and if they say well listen I can't answer that question at least at least they're saying that rather than ignoring it as, as has been the case in the past um, or, or certainly the club within the eternal structure communications department or um, you know the other sort of little factors of the club they feel they can go to the owner and say you know we need this or can you do this and you know that's completely changed as well Good. they feel that they they can communicate so that the whole place isn't being ruled with fear or with sort of secrecy or anything like that it's just it's working better and it's taking time but it's, it's working better mm -hmm. so yes they deserve a little, a little bit of praise for turning that round um it's not it's not ideal yet um but it's it's working better yeah definitely i think mark summed it up you know pretty perfectly there chris but you know what have you made of the of the new honors so far in sm you know, a small amount yeah of i mean it we've had signings Communicate lines of communication being open in the real world. Pretty obvious that they'd inherited a proper shit storm and maybe even gone into it. Well, probably gone into it with their eyes open, but not bouncing. So, again, we keep coming back to the same phrase in the real world. You've got to sort out these before you can look at the bigger picture and say to the fans and speak to the fans, and all as we like to think that we're the be up and running then I always presume that we would path that we seem to be on now in proactively kept the promises in terms of not breaking up the squad too much in terms of players such as Clough and, and Holdy like so on as well um, so I think it's been I'm cautiously optimistic in terms of the future as well I mean as much about the, the two about Holdy and Anderson we don't really know a great deal about how they work behind the scenes and I'll be honest with you I, I don't really care as long as they get the club back on the sound footing mm -hmm. it looks like now want a period of stability after the, the absolute farce of the last few years um, and that's from a supporter's point of view um, Mark never mind a journalist's point of view to actually sit down and spend a, se a season talking about football rather than talking about winding up orders and, and solicitors and things like that is what I'm hopeful for mm. I don't want to be Writing up every week about how you know distractions off the field are impacting the players. I just want the football to. I mean, we all get into this because we enjoy we enjoy football. We don't enjoy accounting a balance sheet. Otherwise, we'd become accountants. Um, so I'm happy. For, I'm happy for the way things are going at the moment, and, and I, I don't see it changing. Um, so yeah, we'll see what the season brings, and we'll uh, mm -hmm. we'll moan when we've got something to moan about. I don't think we should be going looking for something to moan about just yet. Yeah. I, I'm sure some people will because we're Bolton fans, and it's oh, part of our, our genetic makeup. 
Um, but it's an exciting time, I think. It, 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 it's a season of unknowns, isn't it? We're going into a new league with a lot of new teams, with a lot of new players as well. And um, I'm a bit disappointed to be on holiday for the first couple of games. So I, the first one I'll get to is Fleetwood, um, by which point I should think we'd be in that 3-0, 4-0, 5-0 win phase, no doubt. But yeah, it's going to be an exciting season and, uh, and I'm happy I'm happy with the way things are going. Mm-hmm. Tom, do you want to quickly give your two cents as well? With regards to the, the ownership? Yeah. Um, to, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I feel exactly like Chris. I've gone from wanting to scrutinise every element of the ownership and the finance and where this money's gone and where that's money's gone. And, and I think it, this has all come to a head for me. And now I just want to watch my football team play football. Um, and the fact that we've got the fact that we've now got a, you know a fully functioning supporters trust for me gives me that safety net which I know I pay my membership for I know that then the, the, the fans collectively have a voice they've got somewhere to go to to, to be heard to be represented um, so far I've got no gripes with the ownership there's a lot of questions still need to be answered you don't remedy the situation that Bolton are in within a couple of months it's going to take a long time so far they've done nothing to, to make me worry but there's a long way to go. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the sports trust there, actually, because that is the next thing we'll discuss quickly. The board, or elected board members or whatever, have been announced for the sports trust, and it seems like the five members are the five people who were originally on the starting committee, if I've got that right, I'm there or thereabouts. This hasn't been met with the best of uh, responses on the old social media, so, Chris, what's been your thoughts on the sports trust and how they've gone about things recently and this new development with the board. Mm, yeah, it's not, I don't think it's, it's obviously it's put a lot of people's backs up and a lot of people are really, uh, really jumping on it, you know, as a sort of I told you so smug moment, which, you know, it is up to them, obviously. I'm disappointed for the, for the trust because I, I, I was involved a little bit at the start, but then uh, it, I decided it wasn't quite for me. Um, but I still hope that things could, with the trust can, can get back on track. I think a lot of momentum was taken out of their campaigning and what have you when the takeover took place. In, in some ways, the stability of the club was, was probably not a very good thing for the trust. Um, I still think it's important that people stick with it for the long term because although at this minute in time, there's maybe not the immediate need for the trust to act decisively like there was three or four months ago, I still think in the long run it's going to be important for the fans to have their voice um, the people that got elected, then that, that's up to them. Obviously, they, had the, they decided to stand when nobody else came forward, and I don't, don't think we can blame them for our apathy. And, and what, from what I understand, it was a choice of either breaking that promise or calling it a day mm-hmm. and giving up. And I think out of the two, I, I think I know. I think I know which option I prefer out of the two. So whilst it's not ad, it's not advisable, um, and, and I would recommend them maybe look at their. Uh, public face, the PR that they've got of it. I don't think that's been the best mm. in, in recent months. I think a lot of times timing of statements, wording of statements has been a bit naive. Um, it's been well-meaning, obviously, because they all support Bolton. There's a lot of knowledgeable people on there that, that, that I know that we know uh, from being on the podcast too, and, and I don't for a minute doubt their passion. Uh, I just think maybe it's time, while we've got a bit of stability at the club, that the supporters' trust keeps going, but maybe reflects a little bit on what they've done in the last six months, maybe learn a few lessons, and hopefully be a positive force going forward, and, uh, and we all want that to be the case with the club, whether that's in terms of a takeover, um, representing supporters as a voice, and, and doing what the, the BWSA should have done all those years ago, but never quite did. Um, again, 
I just think linked with the future of the club, it's uh, it's something that we can look to improve on. But again, it's going to be a slow process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tom, what what are your thoughts on the matter? I'm I'm feel quite strongly about this in that there's people who've been out to criticise the supporters' trust since it, before its creation. Um, these these are the people these people that have been that, that have been nominated to the board rather than elected these are the people that have have taken the time and the effort from the very beginning mm-hmm. to make this happen now it's not their fault that there isn't there isn't any credible candidate to take I it have further heard that a few people did try and like, i met a guy having calls who wanted it and but apparently they didn't have the signatures or whatever like I, this guy was meant to be email me and i would like put a signature for his thing whatever but he never did so yeah, you can't blame him if no one's coming forward. This is it. You can't, you know, criticise the supporters' trust. They've, it's not been ideal. This is not what they wanted, but they've had to act in the way that they wanted. I mean, at the at the Legends match when when John McGinley and Tony Kelly stood there at the end of the match, you've got to remember you've got John McGinley from north of the border and Tony Kelly, who's dying the wool scouser, and they're both talking there, talk about what a special club this is and how much they love Bolton Wanderers and. There are elements of this football club and its support that is special. There are elements of it that that, that aren't aren't so good, but the, there's the, there's a core at this football club, this this family feel that that is special about this football club, and the supporters trust are the all the people that have led it are these passionate individuals that want to make this club better. Now that shouldn't end just because there aren't enough credible candidates that want to come forward and say I'll get involved. When we were there at the meeting, you had Billy from Breitmit standing up saying, you know, demanding a round of applause just because Kevin Davis was in the room. And fair enough, Kevin Davis, thanks for the support, thanks for coming along, thanks for showing your support for the Trust. But there's, there was a lot of people there in that crowd that were there just to have the two penneth, not to put themselves forward and to, and to help the club move forward. So, as you can tell, I, I feel a bit, I feel a bit strongly about the, particularly the critics that have been there from the very beginning, mm-hmm. um, that have questioned the whole concept. The fact of the matter is, you pay your ten pound, you become a member, you've got a voice. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. For me, it doesn't matter to me as long as they have the best interests of the supporters at heart. I really don't care who's on the board. Yeah, Mark, do you echo those thoughts or do you differ slightly? Well, I mean, Tom's spoken very well there. You know, my own personal view is is along very similar lines. But, you know, from a professional point of view, um, I've got to know the, the Sporters Trust steering group very well. Um, and I can I can only say that all, all the way along, they've been, you know, pleasure to deal with, really, because they've answered, you know, difficult questions when they've come along. They've been open and transparent where they can be. It, you know, timing hasn't helped. You know, situation hasn't helped. Uh, I don't think the idea of having elections in August has necessarily helped them either. And um, with people, you know, just people just don't seem to be around to to do stuff at this time of year. Um, maybe the winds come out of the sails a little bit, uh, but I do think it's important that they stick at it and, and that, that you know that the fans do have that to fall back on and and another voice and, and you know that's not to take anything away from the BWSA because they do what they do very well um, I, I think one thing that to that a shameless self-promotion is, is that they've said they do a, a Q&A in the paper um, early next week and if people have got any questions and there's been some really really strongly worded questions uh, posed to me this 
uh, in the last sort of 24 hours since I, since I asked for them um, uh, to, to direct straight to the uh, the board that the five people that have, have stepped forward just do it they'll answer them um, they're not trying to hide anything um, you know that's that's kind of my job I've had to l- remain a little bit impartial but I do, I do feel a little bit uh, personally sorry for a, for a couple of them because I know how much hard work's gone into it really and, and you know I don't like the, the accusations that it's somehow self-serving because it, it doesn't seem personally to, to be what that. What benefits you know? do you get from being a supporter to this club when you're probably just going to be in the shite all the time? And it's like, I, I agree, I feel like the people <laughs> who've put all... That's one, that's one of the problems I've got with it, Dan. I totally, I totally agree with you. One of the problems I've got with it is that these people shouldn't be harangued for, for wanting to put their head above the parapet. And as Mark said, a lot of people have, have shied away for whatever reason, since the, the takeover took Alvin or whatever, and, and the, for whatever reasons they maybe step forward to keep the head of the parapet to be there to be shot at, I think that's admirable. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, whilst I think it is a, it's a bit annoying how there's not been... I'm annoyed that more people haven't come forward and more people haven't been able to get elected because there's just not been any suitable candidates, but also you, if you want the people who care most to put the effort in to run it, really, don't you? Because you know that they're going to continue to put the effort in going forward. But onto a lot funnier matters. England, if you didn't know, everyone, were fucking shit during the Euros. And Roy Hodgson, the owl incarnate, got sacked. And who, just who, is the current frontrunner for the job, Tom? Well, the, on, the only candidate for the job, Big Sam. Big Sam Allardyce is currently the favourite for the England manager job. Tom, I know you feel very strongly about this. Why should he be the next <laughs> manager? Uh, well, I tell you what, I, I, I'll try and take an answer from from all three of you. What would you say was England's in 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 one word or one phrase? What was England's biggest weakness in Euro twenty sixteen? Mm. Set pieces, Hodgson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the defence. Right. Yeah, okay. So all right, it, it was lack of a plan, lack of tactics, but that's not uh, one word. I think. I think. The defence in open play was okay. I think the defence from set pieces was shambolic. Um, we went into the tournament with a manager who said that he, d- he didn't think too much about styles and formations. Um, the teams that overperformed, possibly Italy, because if you look at that Italy team, it's on paper one of the worst that's in my lifetime that's gone to a tournament. Um, Iceland, Hungary, Wales. The, the, the one thing that they all shared in common was tactical nous and organisation and Sam Allardyce is absolutely the person to right those wrongs um, there was a few square pegs in round holes Hodgson had played a variation of 4-3-3 all the way through qualifying and then changed it at the last minute he had a little dabble with, with the diamond with Allardyce you will get organisation you will get that defensive security you'll get the um effective set pieces both going forward and, and defending them as well he is everything that Roy Hodgson isn't um, he's not the best manager for the job but he's probably the best manager that wants it and I think he's he's going to be if he gets it he could well be the best England manager of, of my lifetime Great, I agree. I feel like... Do you know, we overstate the import, the... Um... Go on, sorry, Dan. Run after you. 
Yeah, do you not think that we overstate, overstate the, the complexity of international football from time to time? You know, where everyone's searching for Arsene Wenger or, or mm-hmm. uh, what's he called, uh, Joachim Love at, at Germany. Um, all you do as an international manager, you get maybe, what, 10, 12 games a year. Um, yeah. You don't need to build. I don't think you need to build a squad and develop them all the way up from the top to the bottom. Granted, as a German example, I think that's maybe a, a unique one. I think you need like somebody who's more pragmatic than that, someone that's going to do what it takes to get a win in an important game. And it's not about winning 10 out of 10 in, in um, mm-hmm. qualifying. It's about doing, making yourself hard to beat. It's about the behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, the, the, the technical work that he does off the field, which we all know is, is absolutely bob-on. But, you know, at the moment, to, to Wanderers, when he took over at the club, you know, we're a, a lower-to-middle-level lower club, if you can imagine England being that way, almost dropping out of the top tier. And, and his sort of mentality coming in having an immediate impact could revolutionise that, take us from that sort of crappy underdog outfit into someone that's that makes opponents scared of us. And yet it might not be pretty, but would you rather win one nil or would you rather lose gallantly? You know, it's it's one of those sort of things where someone ruthless like that, someone that will exploit anything. He's got the experience. Um, you don't get any extra extra points in tournaments of winning with style, after all. Yeah. I just fancy. I just think his time, the time's right for him. I think the international football, being what it is, he would have the right approach, and I would fancy him to come in and make a, make an, an instant impact. And everyone would probably know it wouldn't be a job for him to have for ten years because the first time he made a mistake, the the, the press and the fans would be all over him like a rash. He, he, but I think he's got the the, the root. That's what's great about him. He just no, and, and, and absolutely, and he, no, absolutely. And you, you know, you wouldn't see uh, Aldai taking someone like Wilshire, for example, on a nostalgic for nostalgic reasons. He'd be you know, he's got enough good performances out of people at, at club level who you think would struggle, like the Noble and Carl, um, Andy Carroll, even back to Davies and Nolan. It's unfashionable, but it got it got the results. And would you rather have the results or would you rather not have the results? Yeah. I think he's perfect, absolutely mm-hmm. perfect. If I could trust the FA to do what Germany, Spain, to a lesser extent at this current moment in time, Holland, countries, Iceland for that matter, Countries that have completely revolutionised their whole systems have played in a certain style of play all the way up through youth level and can continue to do that when they promote the youth to the first team. I'd be all for it. But that's never happened in a million fucking years because they're all useless jobbers. So with Allardyce, you'll get someone who, say, pragmatic, will get the players in on the, you know, the three different times a year he gets them. will get them organised, disciplined... And working, I don't say it like he'll get a mentality in the players of instead of this, we're England, we're fucking, we'll come here and do what we want, and we we deserve it and all entitled and everything. He'll make us feel like underdogs. He'll get the siege mentality and all that type of stuff. And I feel like we have to remember, apart with Conte gone from Italy, and it speaks volumes that he wasn't there long, and only Yuck enough, um, Del Bosque gone from Spain. Jurgi Lowe is the only world-class manager left in international management. Every other team has someone who's middling to all right. Allardyce wouldn't be at a place there at all. Now, why we make we might put all the stock on of glory and prestige in international football for the players. It's just not the same for the managers. And Allardyce wouldn't be at a place, and he he doesn't need these clever tactics and not not most of the time. He just needs a tactic and. As I said on last week's podcast and on other various football platforms which I, in which I talk, Hodgson was completely to blame for the Euros because he just went without, just didn't even have a plan. Like It's not as if he had a plan that went wrong and he was out for it. 
just didn't, he went into these matches without one in the absolute slightest and as Tom said and you as well Chris might not be pretty but Allardyce would have us disciplined he'd be pragmatic he'd get us in a system where every player knew the roles and we'd probably we wouldn't have lost to Iceland put it that way but um, what, what are your thoughts on it Mark? Well they should have got rid of Hodgson after they should have got Hodgson after got rid of Hodgson after the World Cup I don't know he managed to, to blunder his way game. through another two, two years of messing about on the spot, he should have gone after the Iceland game. But yeah, what do you what do you think, uh, Mac? Uh, I, I, when you speak to, to kind of players, um, particularly with England, but with most international kind of things, I, I don't always get the the feeling that they want to go. You know, it's it's. I don't think they, they necessarily, you know, feel like it's it's something they they want to do. Almost duty bound by it. One thing about Sam is he is really good at, at fostering a team spirit you know he's, he, he managed to collect you know a, a collection of journeymen and ne'er-do-wells and you know every you know nationality under the sun and, and turn it and fuse it into a team at Bolton and that wasn't done by accident it was done because he's he's bloody good at that kind of the man management side um you know big Kev Davis says he's the, he's the best man manager he's, he's ever worked with um, I speak, spoke to Dean Holdsworth this afternoon about Sam, and, and he and he sort of praised him to the hilt, told some of the stories that you know he, he had to do at the beginning. Some of this sort of outlandish kind of stunts, you know, the the sheep's testicles stuff, and the uh, you know dressing as clowns, and you know collecting money in the town town square and things like that for for, for dares to try and get his players to come out themselves and to to to, to gel and to bond as a team, and um. It's 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 a weird way of doing it, and it might not necessarily translate to, to international football. But why not give him a go? You know what what have they got to lose? I, I think it, it's overdue by about ten years. Mm, personally. Yes, it really is, and I think what's great about it it'd be so gratifying to every Bolton fan who's been saying it for over a decade that Alder should be the England manager because you know he's underappreciated. He is very much underappreciated. Just he's underappreciated because of the way he looks and the way he acts. Because he, everyone just sees him as like this little Englander, rah rah rah, and he's underappreciated because he's just been stuck with this stigma of football, football, which wasn't even yes, Bolton used it, no doubt, but some of the football we played at the peak of Sam's time here wasn't you know wasn't just hoofball. It was you know it was your it was hoofball when it needed to be, but there's also some lovely stuff in there as well. And I think Aldice was just far and away for me. He's the best English option by a mile, and there's not many other managers out there in the wide world who are available who would have. I think Blilich from West Ham would be quality, but there's no reason why he'd leave West Ham at his current moment in time. And I would have, I would have had Sem Sempoli, who used to be a Chile's manager, but he's gone to Sevilla, so there's just no one available at all. So big Sam all the way for me and. I can understand the arguments for Eddie Howe, but he's not ready yet. Give him five years at Bournemouth or whatever, then see how good he is then. But, yeah, apart from that, any other points anyone well, wants to make? An Eddie Howe's... Eddie Howe, uh, yeah, I think the Eddie Howe one's interesting because obviously he's young and English and so he's quite attractive to the Southern media as well. But he's the sort of manager, along with Martinez, that I think he's the only one that would, wouldn't, have, wouldn't be able to have an immediate impact because look at his time at Burnley. He came in... Didn't necessarily do a great deal. Obviously, at Bournemouth, he's had time. You don't get time at international football. It's all about the here and now. And so they 
they nurture players, they put an arm around them, you know, they might motivate somebody over the course of, of a season to make them into a better person, but I just think Allardyce has yeah. got that immediate immediacy about his impact, and like Mark says, he's not averse to doing that at the same time, so I think you get the best of both worlds with him. Yeah, I feel like if England were going to do this complete revamp of the whole structure, how would be the good good man to take forward for the reasons you said, but when in, the FA are fucking incompetent fools and that's never going to happen, so with Allardyce, a man who will just get straight to it, no messing, just exactly what we need, but anyway, no, any, anything else on Big Sam? Any Gary Neville was, sorry, one last, sorry mate, one last thing, Gary Neville was supposed to be that man, wasn't he though, to bridge the gap between the uh, the old guard and the new guard, and, and look how that turned out, it's no guarantee of uh, of any success, even if you had Howin as, as, as an assistant or a coach under Allardyce, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, if there's, anything, if there's nothing else anyone wants to say, we can rattle on to questions for Mark, as we, you know, Whenever we get Mark on the podcast, it's... Right, did he get out? Right, sorry about the interruption, mother. Um, <laughs> as we always things do, never change, Dan. Of course, of course. This bloody matters. As we always do, when Mark's on the podcast, we get questions from our dear readers and listeners, and you know, as they always you know, want to get the expert insight. So, if there's nothing else anyone wants to add, nope. Nope, great. Well, we'll crack on, then we'll rattle through these so we can all get to bed, because fucking me, I've had a busy day of weeding today when I just get to sleep. Mark, this first one's from me, actually. <laughs> hey, everyone. What was last season like as a reporter? Bloody hard work. Um... <laughs> Did you enjoy it yeah. because it was something different and weird, or was it just hell on earth because you was writing about shite you have no idea, like little idea about compared to just the football? No, well, yeah. I mean, there was there was there, there was an exciting element. I think, sort of, the first three months of it, also, and 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 you're quite right as far as you know, not really knowing a lot about it because you know, contrary to popular belief, we're not financial experts, generally speaking, uh, football journalists. Some some of us are, are better than others. Um, so it was a case of learning on the job very quickly and listening to the right people. I think at the time, and I'm still not there, um, but it. Uh, it was it was hard work. It was very very hard work, and you know you, you were juggling your kind of your own personal views and your own personal worries with trying to maintain a, a degree of professionalism. Because you know when you you're talking to staff, you know are, are generally fearful for their jobs, or you you know even even down to talking to Neil Lennon and, and he's saying you know what's going on, what you know what do you know, and it's the roles reversed completely. Uh, you know it. it it, it's quite scary, really, and it was it was quite a concerning time for everybody. Um, you know, people breaking down in tears because they didn't know what was going to happen, and you know, the people's characters changing around the club because the, the the sheer kind of fear of the situation meant that you didn't know what you were supposed to be doing or or who was watching you or who was going to be making these decisions. So it it was a it was a strange time, and whilst kind of professionally, you you thought you know, fantastic, you're getting all these people watching what you're doing and everything you're doing matters which I suppose is why you're in the job um, mm-hmm. you also kind of weigh that with the fact that there's a lot of people you care about who are, who are very very concerned and, and you know the club that you you got an affinity with is also under threat as well so it was it was a strange old time I can imagine um, at BWFC view asks how frustrating is it when the club tells you something you report on it then the opposite happens and then obviously how hard is it with the, you know, some people's reactions on the old social media to that happening? 
I, I, I don't really let it worry me, if I'm honest. If, if you know, people use the media and have them for since time of memoriam uh, to, to do or to get different messages out, and it's not necessarily the God's honest truth. So, you know, that's just the game we play. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I do think people take it a bit too seriously, um, you know, or, or, you know, make it personal for some particular reason. I don't, I don't really understand that. Um, but, you know, they've got mute buttons and block buttons on Twitter for a reason, so it's odd it. <laughs> it really matter. Fair play. Um, our very own Rob Levin at Robbie Laz asks, what do you make of the club's ticket prices this season? I'm sure you've had a lot of noise about this over the past few days. Particularly charging League One away yeah. fans £30 a ticket or £28 a ticket. No. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, it's, look, it's it's expensive, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's let's not beat around the bush. It's it's too much. Um, from from a Bolton perspective, for away fans, I'm not that worried. I've got to be honest. I, I know everybody kind of stands together on ticket prices, but I think you've got to realise the club are, are where they are, and they've got to make business decisions at the minute, and they're not in a position to. Well, yeah, it's, it comes down to that, doesn't it, really? But they're not in a position to offer £15 tickets across the board. Um, they are going to be doing, of course, on certain games. Um, and I don't think they, they got any praise for opening you know, the, the Category D stuff, but they're getting hammered for the Category A prices. But um, you're never going to win. It's, 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 a, it's a really, really complex thing. And I know they, they, for months they were kind of juggling where they were going to pitch the season tickets, where they were going to pitch the, the individual match tickets. Ultimately, the club is where it is in a kind of business sense. I know, you know, people look at Bradford, for example, and say, well, look at what they've done. Look at the pr- mm. season ticket prices, prices there. Look at what the manager can spend there. It's not a lot. Mm. Before the Certainly before the takeover, whether that has an impact on it, I'm not sure because I don't no. know how deep those German pockets are but before that I know for a fact there were problems buying players mm-hmm. and then so, you, know, the, you know look at Bradford as a city which has a far more population than Bolton has you know is more of an Bradford. isolated place than Bolton as well it's a lot easier to get bigger crowds yeah. at Bradford than it is at Bolton so you can't you can't you can't defend the fact that it's 30 quid for a ticket at the league one it's you know it, 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 I wouldn't pay it put it that way but it's uh, <laughs> that that's that's kind of by the by it's it's a difficult one to defend, but I can understand the reasons if if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, do you reckon? What did you? What was your take on the uh, closing the upper tier debate? Um, well, I, I kind of like the way that it worked with the the legends game. It all felt like a, a really good atmosphere. Um, mm. But as kind of time went on, and, and more and more people came forward and gave their reasons for for wanting to keep the upper tier open, I, I think they had to. I think they had yeah. to because it would have been a real problem for them. I think they would. They they said all along when when we first sort of raised it at the end of the season. This is before the Legends game. You know what what you're going to do next season, and they were they said straight from the off, we're just going to listen to the fans and we're not going to say anything. We're not going to kind of make any snap decisions. Um, you know there is a bit of me that would have liked to have seen it happen. But I know it would have caused an almighty problem. I'd probably still be dealing with it. So in in that sense, I'm quite glad it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember raising the question with a club like a year ago when it was at a fan meeting thing or whatever, and they were saying 
we've looked into it, but there's just so there's, first of all, there's more fans up there than you actually realise, and then yeah, saying that some people just they've had their seat for twenty years or whatever, they don't want to give it up, and at the time when the club has, has to have everyone pulling in the same direction, you can't alienate fans by saying they can't sit where they've always sat anymore. This way it goes. At mm. Super White Smurf asks, or Ian Firth, as you may know, is Newell on a pro contract? Uh, and then some my ongoing OCD stress over our incomplete squad list. I was wondering about this because he wasn't in the match against Coles and he didn't travel with the first team to Sweden. So, I, yeah, what is the situation with Newell? But he did score yesterday. I saw he played. He did, yeah. Um, I think he must have had an injury. He is a professional. I've, I've checked this with the oracle of... Simon Marland, um, and he is definitely a professional, um, which came as a bit of a surprise to me because I've never actually seen that announcement uh, on the Bolton website of him getting a pro deal, but um, he is officially a professional, yes. Okay. Um, at BKD is my hero, asks, oh, says, surely Parkinson will have a fresh start and pick a new captain and that we and the team can all get behind, or will he stick with Prattley? So... Will there be a new captain next season? You're not going to like my answer. I hope not. No, I, I, I'm not a, a Prattley hater. Okay. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's going to depend how the summer goes because you know, if if they get an offer for Prattley, I'm sure they will consider it. I think we've seen with the reaction of the QPR stuff, um, which seems to have died down now. They 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 wanted him to go and speak to him. Uh, speak to QPR rather. So, Prattley's not making any kind of uh, indications he wants to go. He wants to. He wants to fight on. He feels like he's got a point to prove and, and fair play to him. Um, certainly, the manager Phil Parkinson likes him. He likes his attitude. Um, he has got a lot. He has got a lot of central midfielders. So, a decision is going to come somewhere. But in in my opinion, I know the lad. I. I think he, I know he's better than he showed last season. Um, Would you uh, keep him no, as captain, I, I, even if he did stay? I think I'd keep him as captain. I think I'd say go, you know, go go and prove him wrong and, and see how it goes. You've got Jay Spear in there, who's, who's a born captain anyway. Whether he's got an armband on or not, he's going to be a, you know, that kind of that kind of player. Mark Beavis comes across as that Beavis type as my, well. Yeah. So you've got those two, and whether you're, you know, whether you were, you're actually officially captain or not, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you just need more of those types in the team. Um, but I think it would be damaging if you were going to keep Prattley on as a player and then take the captaincy off him and say, well, you know, we, we want 100 percent out of you, but we're going to withdraw that privilege. I think if you're going to have a clean slate, a fresh slate, then fine, let it apply across the board and, and let Prattley have a go. Fair enough. Um, Chris, Tom, thoughts on captain briefly? Chris? Um, <clears throat> yeah, well, like Mark said, obviously I'm, I'm not, not as much of a fan of it as, of Catley as Mark is, which is fair enough. Um, but I agree, taking the captaincy off him if he's going to stay at the club, he's daft. Um, he's clearly respected behind the scenes, whether he's respected on the terraces or not. Um, and you'd expect at League One level that he would be able to show more to his game. But then again, we expected that at championship level. So, you know, it's, it's a bit of a, a, a double-edged... Yeah, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? So, yeah, I, th- I think 
as I, as with everybody else, he gets a fresh fresh chance. Whether that evaporates five minutes into the first game when he misplaces a pass, I'm not going to hold myself to that. Um, but I don't think you can change the the caps and see if he's to remain at the club. No, Tom. I agree, and I'm also I'm, I'm a Prattley fan. I think he um, the times last season where we didn't see enough fight, and Prattley was maybe the victim of trying to do too much. And I think he's—I haven't got the facts with me, but his his discipline on the pitch seemed to suffer from it. And I think that was a result of, of trying to do the job of two men and trying to take the game by the scruff of the neck. Because he's not a—he's not a um, combative midfielder. He's not a Jay Spearing who likes to get his foot in. But I think he was trying to do a bit of that as well as the the box to box side of his game. Um, if he stays, he's captain for me. Simple as that. And okay. Beavers, I can see that side of his character, that sort of captain style. Uh, as Mark said, Jay Spearing's just that character anyway. But there's still a real lack in, in terms of leadership uh, in that team at the minute. So I don't see any reason to change. OK. Uh, George Bowyer at Continuum CFP, I think. He asks, and I don't understand what this question is at all, so please enlighten. Did that letter inverted commas, in the mail from the Football League ever arrive? Naughty that, George. <laughs> um, we, well, we can cut this if, if you don't want to talk about nah, it. Don't worry about it. I, well, I, I said I said before, you know, we've, we've asked about uh, the situation um, uh, regarding the, the Football League's decision um, and, again, it was reiterated to me today that... Uh, we're on top of the situation. There isn't uh, um, there isn't a problem signing players clearly because we've just signed a fourth one of the season. Um, go back to what was said uh, about two weeks ago. As long as we're not taking a piss, we should be okay. Um, it's there's nothing official, um, and and I think for commercial reasons they don't want to be seen to say, well, you know, the football league told us it was X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I think that's the best way of it. Um, it's their prerogative, really, isn't it? If, if the Football League wants to come out and tell me what the decision was, you know, I'm all ears. Um, at C C E M C, that's a shit handle, lad. Sorted out. C E M C K one. Chris McCohen. Yes, if money becomes available to spend anytime soon, does um, do you have any idea on who the top target could be? Well, I said said before, if if. For example, Rob Holding were to be sold. Um, wide areas, up front, full-backs are the places I, I would expect him to strengthen. Um, but I, I would imagine the majority of the cash would go on a striker. Uh, so, yeah, if, if, that, if that becomes available, I would imagine that's where it'll get funneled. He's, he's got kind of a plan A, plan B, by the sounds okay. of things. You know, he... he he could be looking at free transfers and loans, or if he gets the cash, great. Then they've got a couple of different ideas. Um, Ian Firth at Super White Smith comes in again with a second question. He asks, "Are Ken and Dino working in harmony now?" Uh, well, as 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 much as they ever were, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're both. What we've got to understand, um, it's a very different way of working uh, than we had been accustomed to. Phil outside was in the office in the in the Reebok or the Macron twenty four seven. Saw him all the time. He stayed there in his office. He 
you know, he, he patrolled his kingdom. Eddie Davis disappeared. You never saw him other than a match day. These two guys have got their own individual businesses. They're, they're out and about, you know, they'll pop in and out and in and out. They do a lot of the business in the hotel. It's not really that easy to say, you know, they, they, they've sat down and had a chat at any, any sort of period in time. As, as far as I'm concerned, as long as the club seems to be making progress, I'm happy. Okay. Um, there's another one from me. Will any youngsters make the step up from the first to the first team this year? And if so, who do you think they may be? Um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough one, I think, because more more so even in the championship. Because last year, so many did make the step up through necessity. Um, I think it's going to be difficult this year uh, to say, well, we're going to you know plunk them into league games, etc. Maybe this. Wasn't big on it at Bradford as well or at least with Bradford's yeah. youngsters yeah yeah, well, I, exactly exactly that I, I, sat, I sat with him at, at Addy Coles and, and sat watched the game and I know he was he was quite impressed with uh, young Samizade and his movement his touch and such like so that's that's a, a good positive thing I think he scored the, again the other night he did. he's obviously one of those that's on the cusp there's a couple like that that I, I quite like the look of when I've, when I've watched Moneyball being another one um, there was another lad who came on as a sub at Atherton who is it's only 16 and I've got his name now is it something like that yeah that's him Fernley yeah Fernley yeah. yeah well uh, we, we were sat chatting about him and I know Tony Kelly rates him really really highly as well um, they've got the, they've got a close eye on him and think you know he, he could potentially uh, make a, a step up obviously he's, he's a bit young to be going into the first team in a minute but there's a there's a couple with a bit of buzz about them, put it that way. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'd be interested to see what they do with the development squad because there's no natural manager since uh, Ian Brunskill left. And and when the academy looked like he was going to get stepped down again, that whole kind of arm of the club looked like it was just going to disappear. But now they've made the decision to keep hold of the Category 2. All of a sudden, they're now having to stock it with players and and, and staff and such like. So it'll be interesting to see now how how they how seriously they treat that side of things and whether they take the same sort of keen interest as somebody like Lenny did or uh, I was going to say Dougie, but <laughs> Dougie really didn't. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, somebody like Lenny certainly he he used to turn up and watch every single game and 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 take a real positive influence and in, uh, interest in it rather. Yeah, okay. Um, Jamie asks, is Prattley still leaving? And well, what's his, is it just does that situation just died down loads, as you said earlier? Yeah, I think so. I think I think it's died down. Um you went to meet with them on the Monday when they'd flown out on the Sunday and they joined up a day and a half or so late. Um I I, I get the feeling he wasn't overly impressed that it had come out. Uh by the fact that I got told he was not overly impressed that it had come out, so such is life. Uh, what are you going to do? Um, Jamie also asks, how are you finding pre-season under the new regime compared to previous pre-seasons? It's definitely better than uh, last year, about 12 months ago, because I'm allowed to speak to the manager. Uh Last year was a difficult one because Lenny was getting mentioned with Leicester City and it was like a, a lockdown when we were over in Austria. It was difficult. But, um, um, no, I was, uh, you know, first class. I thought, you know, the welcome we got uh, and, you know, the, the, the time he's taken to 
talk talk things through and, and be friendly and be welcoming. He's, he's, he's been a really, really, um, really, really good person to deal with so far. And, uh, you know, like said before, I think he's the kind of person that's going to be very good for the club. Mm-hmm. He, well, I said, on the brief times we saw him in Denmark, so when he came out of the bus on the, the pub, and when he came over to clap the fans, he just seems very friendly, very open, and just nice to everyone, which is just a way to endear yourself with a club support base, isn't it? Mm, spot on, yeah, definitely. Um, Nick, the final one from Twitter. Nick Wollstoneholm at Woolsey28 asks, and I left I left this to last because I thought it was a good one. Tell us a magnificent story about Bolton that you have never told before. One that we can all retell in the pub. It doesn't have to be current. <laughs> more, more salacious the better. Only you know, redact names if absolutely necessary. He's been a bit audacious here, but I thought I thought that's it. Balls, do you want to ask? <laughs> um, bloody hellfire! I dropped myself right in the muck here, won't I? Um, <laughs> who can I tell a story? Who can I tell a story about? Um, we well, right. We were in uh, going over to America with with Coyley's lot the first time round um, and there was a, a big problem with kit and stuff and medical supplies I think when they went through the uh, the customs at Manchester Airport and I think when we got to the other side so much stuff had been confiscated that there was, there was a huge problem huge problem uh, ahead of the first game I can't remember we were playing in Charlotte or something like that and uh, and the end, end result was that uh, that the kit the kit lad uh, Mike Cudero, um I believe ended up having to hightail it round to every sports store in you know the state or so trying to find shin pads which <laughs> is a pain in the ass in America they they had none at all everybody's wearing like odd kits and odd boots and all sorts of this first friendly but nobody had any shin pads because everything had been um, confiscated at, uh, at customs because they, they put like medical supplies in with playstations and all sorts of stuff and just everything just ended up getting uh, kept at, at Manchester Airport and uh, and yeah it's, it's not a story you'll necessarily tell at the pub but hey uh, it's, a story, it's the first story off the top of my head that's not necessarily going to land me in any legal dangers yeah. so yeah, they serve them all for the <laughs> memoir well yeah 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 I've, I've got them written down somewhere my, my wife makes me keep a diary so uh one of these days, when the Alzheimer's kicks in, I might do it. Well, that's all the ones from Twitter. We're waiting. Chris's laptop has died, <laughs> so he's not currently in the call. He's coming back on momentarily. But, Tom, do you have any questions you want to ask? Please say yes, because we need to fill the airtime. <laughs> in, in, in terms of playing squad for next season, not necessarily personnel. In terms of maybe attitude and the approach have you seen a change from last season because the the most important thing is with a new manager and new personnel new league is that we we get rid of that loser mentality have, have you seen that well the one thing that struck me i thought when you're watching them train um over in in sweden and, and then at lostock as well really is that it's gone very quiet it's gone extremely serious now whether that's as a result of trying to impress the new manager or uh you know just trying to get your head down and, 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 and work at this t- stage of the season. But I, I felt that previous pre-seasons have been a bit more kind of jovial, a bit more convivial, you know, there's a bit more um, messing about, 
really. Mm. This has been serious, you know, the, the, the message has been really enforced and with, you know, the curfews and everybody has to be in time, uh, uh, you know, at breakfast in time and all that kind of stuff in, in the hotel, which has never really been the case before. And I just think that that kind of air of discipline might be good for them, certainly good for some of the players. Um, and I just I just feel that it's starting to kind of look more like a, an orderly environment rather than like a youth club. And, you know, that was, that was the kind of accusation, really, with, with Lenny, particularly in the last couple of uh, couple of months when, you know, I think everybody realised that it was only going to be heading one way, that just things just started to fray at the edges and the, the discipline went everywhere. And I think after Christmas, it was, uh, it was like Lord of the Flies, really. It was, uh, it was poor. Was how much to do with Mialbi going? Because there seemed to be... It, it seems to be that Mialbi was jumping off a sinking ship, but was it was he there as a disciplinarian? Because he, on, on the sidelines, it came across that way. He was the one that that'd get quite animated and quite red in the face. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I, I maybe underplayed it a bit at the time, but I think um, in the in the kind of test of time that he was the the, the steady one. Um, certainly, I think for the manager, he was very important. He was the kind of guiding hand. Um, maybe after a game, he'd, he'd say, "You know, this is you know this is where it went wrong. Calming down a bit and uh, don't say the wrong thing and all that kind of stuff." So yeah, I think he was very important for the manager. Um, he, he seemed quite quiet actually, uh, Johan, on the kind of training pitch. He'd worked with the back four, but he wasn't one of those that was working with everyone. So you can't necessarily pin a an overall effect on the whole squad. But organisationally. You know, I don't think the defence ever looked as good after he left. So, yeah, maybe that, maybe that's something to that. And you know, certainly, I think in terms of personality on the manager, he kind of he, he lacked a bit of guidance after he'd gone. Has there been any noticeable differences at all with training with the moving of the academies? It's like, has there been do people prefer it? Do people not prefer it? Is only just has it made a difference at all being at Lost Stock rather than? I remember what the last one's what they called Houston. Exton, yeah. Exton. Um, I I hope it has made a difference. I hope I hope they hate it. I hope I honestly hope that the lads that were you know dipping their toes in the, the foot spas or playing darts uh, you know all afternoon and snooker and watching Sky Sports on the thirty two inch widescreen hate this place because it you know it it reminds me very much of of Exton way back in the day when it was porter cabins and and you know it wasn't quite as luxurious as um as it is or was when when we left it you know i think they needed to get snapped out of that that bubble you know it, it, it got too comfortable and you know i was speaking to uh, the sports science guy uh, nick allenby and he was he was saying you know if i had to design a, a, a training base it wouldn't be all singing, all dancing. It would be functional. And he said, you know, there's aspects, obviously there's aspects that need improving at Lost Stock at the minute. But the, the, the vague sort of shape of it is 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 okay. The pitches are good. Uh, the space they've got is good. The access is decent. Uh, you know, they need to improve the gym and they need to improve the catering facilities and the changing facilities. Get a couple more offices in there. And it's all plans to do that. So, yeah. But I, I, as going back to the beginning, I, I hope it snaps a few out. I, I hope that they hate it. I, I generally hope that they, you know, start realizing they're footballers rather than, 
you know, boarding school kids. Um, are the academy training there as well? Is everyone in the same place? Yeah. Right. Yeah, they're all in there. They're all in there. It's, it's quite good, actually, because you, you used to go down every once in a while for a brew to go and see, you know, Jimmy Phillips or Tony Kelly or David Lee, wherever it be. Um, and it'd be very quiet at times because there'd be nobody there and the you know, wind comes whistling in and it's it's quite a sparse place. Um, but the last couple of weeks you go down there and it's like a hive of activity because you've got these kind of two forces integrating there and, you know, they've got the securities on and there's cars everywhere and there's, there's loads of people in there. So it's a nice little kind of hive of activity now. So um, it, it's, it feels more like a football club. I think it's a nice environment. Okay. Um, Chris, you're back with us. Hello. Apologies. Apologies. Duff internet there, Maya. Sorry. Um, what was, what questions do you have for Mark? Yeah, um, again, apologies if they've been asked already because I did duck out there for a couple of minutes. The, the accounts are really, really badly over, overdue, aren't they? By best part of about four months or something like that. Do you know if there's any prospect to them on the horizon? I know that uh, the two kind of financial directors, they're not officially financial directors, but the uh, Anthony Massey and uh, John Pellin have met with uh, Deloitte, talked over several things. I was told a couple of weeks ago now that they were they were almost ready to be signed off. They're just a couple of little bits that need sorting, um, and we're still in that situation. So frustrating though it is, uh, that's that's the last update I've really I've really had on it. Um, I, I would hope that they get cleared up soon. Okay. Anything else? Same. And uh, finally, from me, uh, have you? Yeah, have you have you seen the new kit and uh, and is it pink? Uh, does it have a Does it have a cape? <laughs> have a cape, yeah, that'd be brilliant. Wouldn't it? I, it's got a collar. I'll tell you that. You know the the, the kind of the collar they had on that um, the white shirt in uh, Denmark. It's very similar to that. It goes. It's kind of an old throwback. The the two the the, the home kit is as probably as you'd expect. It's no. It's not a huge hugely extravagant design. The away kit is a colour they have worn in the last twenty years. Let's say. Uh, off the top of my head. Um, so it's purple. Yeah, then. doesn't it? I'm just trying purple. to think how, what, what year what year it was. I want red. Might I want be the last. Wait. It's in the last 15 years. Anyway, the last 15 years. Um, and it's not red. No. Purple. I've been wanting not a red, red kit for so long. Well, they've been honestly they've been dabbling with the idea of a red kit for two or three years, and every year we sit round and say, like, "What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What? How do you think it'll get re- received?" And I don't think they ever really wanted to do it because they didn't know what the reception would be. So, red and blue kit. Uh, maybe you should like log the, for that. Uh, the red and blue Sorry? and white, the red, blue, and white striped kit from like to the mid, like the early two thousands is my favourite kit. And I want is that like the like was it a centenary kit that one? I think yeah. I think so, something like that. And I just want another kit like that so badly, but I'm never going to get it. Oh, what can you do? What can you do? Well, if there's no other questions from anyone for Mark. Nope, none. Done. Well, I guess we'll wrap this monster of a podcast up. It's nice to be back and back in form. So, as always, you're listening to the Line of Vienna Suite podcast. That was episode fifty-seven. You can get it on iTunes and, uh, well, whoever you have got it, 
I suppose. Please, if you're on iTunes, like, subscribe, rate, all that jazz. Share with everyone you know, because the more listeners, the better, of course. And of course, go over to lineofvienasweet.com for loads of writing and stuff. We've got writing about the trialists recently, my trip to Denmark. Uh, Tom's got an article about Sam Allardyce from fans of every club he's ever managed going up. Loads of stuff, so get over there. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Lion of Vienna and Facebook.com forward slash Lion of Vienna Suite as well. You can get me on Twitter at Obrowski. You can get Chris on Twitter at 19Manning83. You can get Tom on Twitter at DownTheManningRD. You can get Mark on Twitter, of course, at Mark Isles. Um, Mark, is there anything you want to plug on Bolton News before we get off? Oh, just buy the paper, sod it. <laughs> That's the, the same every day. <laughs> just lies. <laughs> oh, there you go. Proof. Mark is corrupter and a liar. There you go, everyone. Write your headlines because there is the proof. Oh, it's time to say goodbye, everybody. So, Chris, say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Tom, say goodbye. See you later, everyone. Thanks for your time. Mark, please say goodbye as well if you'd be so kind. Hey, Dar. See you later. And it's goodbye from me. I love it.